0: This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM.
1: Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I am Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment, and this is episode number 11. And I'm calling this episode A Storm and a Prayer. Well, I'd love to hear from you today, wherever you're listening to The Faith Experiment from. Let me know by texting me on 4 888 453 or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au or message me on the Faith FM Facebook page. If you're joining me for the first time on this show, I want to explore faith and how to experiment with it and how to put it into practice. So far, I've been sharing my personal journey of how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter now if you've missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up on some of the details get the faith fm app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcast section for the faith experiment you can also find the faith experiment on all good podcasting platforms making it so easy to keep up to date with what's happening on the faith experiment Now, in this episode, I have another great offer for you today. So stick around for the code word during the show, and you'll need to text that code word to 45311. So you might want to save the number to your phone now if you haven't already done it. It's 0488845311. So save that to your phone and wait for the code word.
2: Tonight, a dangerous super storm cell hits the southeast, causing widespread damage in Brisbane. Buildings flooded, cars stranded, markets destroyed.
3: This is Seven News.
2: Good evening, Brisbane has been thumped by a severe superstorm cell packing destructive winds and heavy rain causing flash flooding. Tonight the southeast remains at the mercy of the storms. A second wave is now heading for the coast having hit the Darling Downs a short time ago. It was a
1: Thursday night in November 2002 and the southeast Queensland corner had been hit by wild storms and everyone was in a rush to get home before things got really bad. As I was making my way home along the southeast Freeway, it was absolutely bumper to bumper. Visibility was only a couple of meters as the rain pelted down. I really wanted to get home in case it turned to hail. Sitting there, stuck in the traffic, I decided to put a CD on. And I pulled out a disc randomly from the audio Bible set. And I stuck it in the CD player and hit play. And with that, Alexander Scorby... ...was there, in my car, reading the Gospel of John to me. In the beginning was the
3: Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. Although
1: I'd been studying the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and although I had read much on the various worldviews and religions... I still hadn't read the entire Bible from cover to cover yet. And so any time I could, I put a CD on to listen to the Bible. Even if it was in the background as I worked, or I was driving, or I was working out, I was always discovering something new, some new idea or a concept, a, a new word, a new teaching, a new story. And as I started listening to the disc on the Gospel of John, many of the stories were new to me. After what seemed like forever, I fought into my garage and the rain was still peltering down. As I made my way into my empty house, I began my regular evening ritual. Put the keys on the key rack, put my lunch container in the sink, turned on my Pentium 166, and while it was booting, I would go grab the wok and grab some veggies from the fridge, some... Pockjoy choy and carrots and broccoli and cabbage, some onions from the cupboard, a packet of rice noodles, and I began cooking my specialty, Robbie's Asian stir fry with noodles. It was a world famous dish, you know. And while things are cooking along nicely, I log into my Windows XP and fire up the old 56k modem and get on the internet and check my email. Junk. Junk. More junk. Nothing really important. Lightning flashes and thunder crashes. And I'm reminded that I'm in the middle of an electrical storm, and so I get off the net and I shut the computer down. I sit down at the kitchen table with a large bowl full of Robbie's Asian stir-fry with noodles. My favourite. It's a world-famous dish, you know. So I'm about to start eating when I think to myself... Hey, let me put on the rest of that audio Bible. So I grab the car keys and go back to the garage and grab a disc from the player. Make my way back into the house and grab my Discman. And for those of you who don't know what a Discman is, it's kind of like an iPod that you put a great big disc into to play a CD. And so, all of a sudden, Alexander Scorby once again was there at my dining table, reading the Gospel of John to me. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they
3: said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us?
1: After a a while, I finish eating, and as the storm seems to be getting worse, I make my way over to the couch, and I pull back the curtains, and I sit down and just start watching this impressive scene. And by this time, it was probably about 7 p.m., and the night sky was like a backdrop of pitch blackness which from time to time was painted with lightning traversing from one corner of the canvas to the other, followed by bone-rattling thunderclaps that shook the house and caused the window panes to vibrate. And then out of nowhere it happened. Lightning, a clap of thunder, and the electricity goes out. Maybe a transformer had been hit or a tree had fallen and taking down a power line. Whatever it was, the power was out. And I was sitting there on the lounge in the dark, with the power, with the Alexander Scorby reading the Gospel of John, the voice in the background of, crying in the wilderness. of my Make
3: straight the way of... As I
1: sat there, I started reflecting on what had happened to my life over the past 12 months. All of this lightning and this thunder <laughs> took me back to that scene in the field a little over a year ago, on the side of the freeway, that field where... I felt like I was paralyzed as I stood there looking up at the scene. I couldn't move a muscle. And those thoughts came flooding back that if there was an end to the world, this is probably how it would start off. And if the world does end and there is a God, then I would definitely be lost. And then there was that scene by scene playback of my life, starting with me as a child and passing through the years until that very moment and then my my mind then jumped back to that nightclub in Brisbane, that dark hot room with hundreds of strangers dancing and then me standing there in the men's room looking into the mirror and seeing standing behind me that dark shadowy figure with those piercing eyes and that sensation and impression, something like I'm a captive or a slave to this thing and that feeling that you can run but you can't hide because I belong to this this thing or this figure or this force. And then I recounted those memories of the event that changed the world, that the event that had changed my world. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. We don't know if it was a private aircraft. Another one just hit the building. Wow. I literally, I was waiting at table and I literally saw a, it seemed to be like a small plane. American 11, are you trying to call? Nobody
2: moved. Everything
4: was okay. It's 8.54 right now, Stuart. Can you tell me what And
1: all of these thoughts that led me back to recount how this whole journey had started in the first place, searching online for predictions and... 911 as an attempt to get back at Chris, my workmate, who, who joked about Nostradamus predicting these attacks. And those search results I found in that statement from a book written more than a 100 years ago which claimed that there was a connection between the events of tall buildings catching fire and collapsing in New York City and the prophecies of an ancient Christian Hebrew scroll of called
0: the Book of Daniel. On what occasion when in New York City. I was in the night season called upon to behold buildings, rising story after story toward heaven. These buildings were warranted to be fireproof, and they were erected to glorify their owners, then builders. Higher and still higher these buildings rose, and in them the most costly material The resource. scene that next passed before me was an alarm of fire. Men looked at the lofty and supposedly fireproof buildings and said, They are perfectly safe. But these buildings were consumed. As if made of pitch. The fire engines could do nothing to stay the destruction. The firemen were unable to operate the engines. The world is stirred with the spirit of war. The prophecy of the eleventh chapter of Daniel has nearly reached its complete fulfillment. Soon the scenes of trouble spoken of and the prophecies will take place.
5: Behold.
1: And as I sat there looking out the window at the storm, replaying all of these scenes that had began to impact my life, I replayed that moment in my mind of walking into that Bible bookstore for the first time and buying that first Bible, and then the implications that that one decision had, how my atheist fiancée, in an absolute fit of rage, gave me that ultimatum when she discovered that I had bought a Bible, a choice of her or a choice of God, and how I struggled with these two binary options How after thinking through the pros and cons of both options and in defiance, I I chose God not out of conviction or belief, but out of spite of a future wife trying to control me and my choices even then. And how that with that single decision in time, my whole world, my whole future changed. How my fiancé became my ex and... How my best friend became my ex-best friend. And how my whole social circle broke away from me. The religious nut who had committed the horrendous crime of buying a Bible. Well, it's time to take a short break now. But when we come back, I'll continue with my night of a storm and a prayer. And don't forget to stick around for today's code word... We'll be right back after this with the Faith Experiment.
0: You're listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia. Right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on O four triple eight four five three double one. That's O four triple eight four five three double one. Or send an email to Robbie at faithfm.com.au
5: Crash in, the tide rolls out It's an angry sea, but there is no doubt That the lighthouse will keep shining out To warn a lonely sailor And the lightning strikes and the wind cuts cold Through the sailor's bones, through the sailor's soul Till there's nothing left that he can hold Except a rolling ocean Oh, I am ready for the storm Yes, already I am I'm ready for the storm Oh, give me mercy for my dreams Cause every confrontation seems to tell me What it really means to be this lonely sailor And when the sky begins to clear The sun, it melts away my tears And I cry a silent weary tear For those who mean to love me Oh, I am ready for the storm Yes, ready I am No real friend, and time will take its time, and you will find it in the end. It brings you me this lonely sailor. And when you take me by the hand, and you love me, Lord, you love me, and I should have realized I had no reasons to be frightened. Oh, I am ready for the storm. Yes, sir, ready I. Ready, I am ready for the storm. Yes, sir, ready, I.
0: The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today.
1: Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is Episode 11 of the faith experiment. I'm calling this episode A Storm and a Prayer. Now remember, I have another great mystery gift to give away today. So stick around to get the code word during the show. You'll need to text the code word to 4 888 So save that number in your phone, 4 and wait for the code word. Before the break, I was sharing with you how it was a Thursday night in November 2002, and, and an intense thunderstorm had hit Brisbane. I'd already had dinner, and I was sitting, looking out my lounge room window, watching the storm, and listening to Alexander Scorby reading the Gospel of John. And they asked him, saying, Why then
3: do you baptize if you are not the Christ? Nor and
1: as I was sitting there, reflecting on everything that had transpired over the year the nightclub, the field on the side of the road, 911 the prophecies, buying a Bible, the breakup. I saw a flash of lightning and heard a massive thunderclap, which resulted in the electricity going out, and I was left there sitting in the dark, watching the storm and listening to the Gospel of John. And in that state, my mind continued to recount the events of the past 12 months. I began to reflect, to analyze on what I'd seen and what I'd heard and what I'd read and I pondered where all of this was going. Those words I read kept echoing in my mind that the last verses of the prophecies of Daniel chapter 11 are soon to reach their complete fulfillment. And then there were my findings as I looked at the book of Daniel and I examined the portions of this Daniel chapter 11. And I I saw that there would be some kind of showdown between this king of the north and this king of the south and there would be some sort of thing some sort of standard which would be placed between God and his people by this king of the north and he would be directly responsible for placing himself between God and the people at least based on Daniel chapter 11 and then the very next verse in chapter 12 verse 1 I I sensed that this was not going to be pleasant where it says that uh, at that time Michael shall stand up, that great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never seen since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And in the year that passed, we had seen night after night on the news images of this new world war, a war on terror, a war without boundaries, ramping up and expanding. Was this the war? Was, was this all starting now? Or should I expect something else? And as my thoughts oscillated from deep reflection to shallow thought, all along in the background, Alexander Scorby Lord was faithfully reading the Gospel John. Now of the Jonathan. Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold... Oxen. My mind then began to trace through the passages of the book of Revelation, and I tried to make sense of those cryptic words and images in relation to my journey. And then there was that promise that was there for anyone who reads or hears and keeps the words that are written in the book. Was this book really some kind of supernatural insight into the coming future? And then I reflected on how I journeyed through all of those worldviews and religions and what I had learned about Hinduism and Taoism and Buddhism and Islam and Judaism and Christianity and all the other various tribal religions like the Africans and the North and South American Indians and The ancient Chinese and and their view of God and how in most cases, if not all cases, God was a creator God. And then there was what seemed like a strange and bizarre supernatural coincidence. How how could and why did my mom and my dad turn their backs on decades of non-religious lifestyle to become followers of Jesus again? And... Now their lives were devoted to prayer and to study and to service. You see, a little over six months after September 11 had taken place, my parents, their lives were completely turned upside down, or maybe I should say they were turned the right way up. You see, at the time of 911, my dad was a sales manager and my mum was a nurse, and they lived in the suburbs of Brisbane alone because me, along with my Younger sister and brother, we'd all left home already, and so my parents were now empty nesters, be it young ones. You see, my my parents were just 20 when I was born, so they were quite young and free. Now, after the events of September 11, as I've already shared on previous episodes, they were invited to a series of meetings which showed them from Bible prophecy how we were entering into what the Bible calls the beginning of, of sorrows. And at those meetings, my my dad, followed by my mom, they asked Jesus to forgive their sinful lives and to become their Lord and Savior. And that is exactly what happened. Jesus did become their Lord and Savior. You see, immediately... As in the very day they returned back from those meetings, when my dad entered the front door, he, he went immediately to his home cinema. He went over to his home bar, and he started getting down all of the bottles of alcohol off his mirror shelving. And one by one, he poured each one of those bottles down the toilet. You see, dad was convinced that his body was now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as such, how, how could he abuse it with a substance that was a poison to the system? In fact, did, did you know that alcohol really does affect your body? Of course, you did. everyone knows that there's no secret that alcohol affects your brain because most people who drink alcohol, we like the way it feels. It makes us happier, it makes us feel less stressed, more sociable. And we know from science that Alcohol does have a verified feel-good effect. PT scans have shown that alcohol releases endorphins or the pleasure hormone and that binds to receptors in the brain and that's why we feel good when we drink alcohol. Now, although most of us know that excessive drinking is connected to an increased risk of dementia or the impact it has on the brain, most people think that moderate drinking, which is generally defined as one or two drinks a day for a woman and for a man, it's not really that bad for you. And that's what we all thought until a study was done by University of Oxford in England. And what they found actually seems to be bad news for any drinker of alcohol. You see, their study showed that moderate drinking was also associated with shrinkage in the areas of the brain involved in cognition and learning. The study conducted by a team of researchers from the University of Oxford, they looked at data from 424 men and 103 women who participated in a 30-year study. At the beginning of the study in 1985, all the participants were healthy and none of them were dependent on alcohol. And over the next 30 years, all the participants answered detailed questions about their alcohol intake and, and took tests to measure memory and Reasoning and verbal skills. They also underwent brain imaging with MRIs at the end of the study, and when the team analyzed the questionnaires and the cognitive test scores and the MRI scans, they found that the amount of shrinkage in the area of the brain associated with memory and reasoning was related to the amount that people drank. Those who had the equivalent of four or more drinks a day had almost six times the risk of brain shrinkage than a non-drinker did, while moderate drinkers had three times the risk as a non-drinker. So the takeaway from the study was that it's better not to drink. It's better for your brain, it's better for your mind, it's better for your liver, and it's better for your well-being. So back to my parents. On the same day that my dad came back home and poured out his alcohol, he also gave up his drug habit. And I'm happy to say that even though he had tried numerous times to give up the habit in the past without any success, that from that day after that meeting, some 19 years ago, he has never touched drugs or alcohol again. And, you know, I've often asked that over the years. What did he think made the difference? I mean, he tried so many times to give up drugs and alcohol. And every time he'd come back to them, And dad's response is, because this time, he's done it with Jesus, who has the power. And it wasn't just alcohol and drugs that changed in my dad and my mom's life. Dad stopped swearing. They both had become happier. And within about six months, they felt called to leave their jobs and become missionaries. And that's exactly what they did. Dad left his sales manager position. My mother left her nursing career. They sold all their possessions. And they went and became missionaries. They went to most of the islands in the South Pacific. They worked in orphanages in Africa. They traveled around most of Australia, helping those in need and sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus. And that's what they're still doing even today all these years later now if this wasn't strange enough that within the space of 6 weeks since September 11 2001 my mum and dad were now christians and that in the same period of time i was delving into my own spiritual journey with the supernatural my younger sister who at the time was 20 years old after seeing the impact that jesus had in my mum's life and my dad's life She decided to leave behind her life of parties and raves and alcohol and drugs and living a high life. She decided to leave all that behind and become a Christian as well. And after a few months, she started on a path of medical missionary work, which She's been doing ever since. She's been around the world, working with people who have all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And today she works as a, a naturopath and continues to share her faith in Jesus. But my sister's story is a story for another day. And so I was sitting right there in my lounge, looking out the window at the black night sky, watching lightning and hearing thunder. Pondering my journey so far. All the while, Alexander Scorby was reading the Gospel of John with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers'
3: money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold dubs,
1: take these things away. Well, it's time again to take a short break, but when we come back, I'll continue with my night of a storm and a prayer. And coming up is today's code word. So stick around, and we'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment.
0: The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate.
2: of every single dream I lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see I've tried to win this war I confess My hands are weary Mighty warrior, king of the fight No matter what I face, you're by my side I will trust, I will trust, I will trust, trust in you Truth is you know what tomorrow brings There's not a day ahead you have not seen So in all things be my life and bread I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you You. I will trust in you. I will trust in
0: you. You're listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM.
1: Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is Episode 11 of the Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode. A storm and a prayer. Now coming up is today's code word for the mystery gift. And if you want to save the number 048845311 into your phone and be ready to text the code word as soon as you hear it. Now before the break, I left you with that scene where I was sitting in my lounge room in Brisbane on a Thursday night in the middle of a lightning and thunderstorm. The electricity had gone out and there I was just me, in the dark, with my thoughts reflecting on the change of trajectory my life had taken over the past 12 months, all the while with Alexander Scorby reading to me the Gospel of John on my battery-powered Discman. I started to think about what was happening in my life right now and how for the first time I was actually a little bit nervous about my financial future. As I've already shared on previous episodes, I had just finished building a brand new house right around the time of September 11, and with the immediate impact that that had on the world stock market and the collapse of Ansett Australia, my stock options and my projected retirement nest egg were hit so hard, so hard in fact that I was on track to retire at 35, and now it looked like I was going to be the same age as everybody else by the time of retirement. And although this was, to be quite honest, pretty devastating, at the time I was kind of numb to it all. It was kind of like I reached a point where I no longer cared anymore about trying to cross every T and to dot every I. And I guess that was in a way because as I'd been on this journey... with all the discoveries I was making it was like it was like I was on the verge of grasping something something that would transcend all of this it's hard to articulate it but it was like a feeling or a sense that something was about to be realized or discovered that would redefine everything everything about what I wanted and everything about what I needed it was almost like I sensed that I was about to be redefined as a person. And as I started to reflect on what I had gained from exploring the religions of the world, I couldn't shake that diagram of the circle. It was meant to be a simple data collecting tool, a circle, which would contain all of the attributes and characteristics I could find that these world views described God as. And I couldn't shake that realization that everything that I had written inside that circle, that was meant to be God, things like hope and love and peace and happiness and joy and patience and truth and life, this is what I was looking for. This is what I was missing. Even though I had a brand new car, a brand new house, money, and I traveled the world, and you name it, I had it, or at least I thought I had it, I was still missing everything that was inside this circle. And it was still amazing that it hit me that I was missing the description of who and what God is. It was like I was looking for God and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know it. But as I sat there, I still questioned, was all this real? Could it? be that God really existed? Or was I just creating a coping mechanism? Was I just somehow finding comfort in all of this and that's why I was continuing this quest? But then I remembered how, as I searched through all those world religions, there was only one that provided a way to test the claims that these texts were from God. It was those Hebrew manuscripts that claimed that you would know if they were, in fact, from God, the one God, the only God. And you would know that he did, in fact, write these texts if you understood the claim. And the claim was prophecy, being able to tell the future. Again, that was the clue. That was the key to to be certain that this wasn't just some fable, some, some human experiment. This was, in fact, something supernatural. And as I... Reflected on all those various prophecies I had examined and tested, there was that prediction in Daniel chapter 2 where Daniel claims that the God of heaven gave him the same dream which he also had given King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and how with absolute accuracy the name of kingdoms and the characteristics of these kingdoms were exactly fulfilled as predicted. There was a golden head of Babylon, a silver chest of Medo-Persia, a brass waist of Greece, and iron legs of Rome, and then iron and clay feet of divided Europe, perfectly fulfilled, as predicted. And then there was that amazing prophecy of Daniel chapter eight, that was told to Alexander the Great, that predicted by name the fall of Medo-Persia to the Greeks, and the prediction of Alexander the Great coming to his end and in his place for rulers arising, which would lead to the development of that little horn of Rome that would grow so very great and would persecute and dominate the world. Sitting there, reflecting on all of these things, I was again overwhelmed with the massive weight of evidence that these texts had to support the claim that it was of a supernatural origin. And I remembered that concept repeated over and over again in the Hebrew and the Greek manuscripts, that these prophecies, these predictions served as God's signature on these documents. And this was the proof you could trust, unlike the holy text of the Vedas or the Quran or Buddha. All of these other texts in these various religions, these Hebrew texts were the only ones that offered a test that could be tested. You know, some people think that religion is just a matter of preference. Which one do you like the best? Choose that one, because at the end of the day, nobody already knows if God is real, these texts are from him. But the reality is that there is only one religion that actually gives you a way to test, and that's these Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. No one else does that. And so as I sat there pondering on this and reflecting on this, it was certain that these texts were of a supernatural origin. And as I thought about all of this, that I was actually seeking for what God is described as and that these texts contained within them the very means to test them and how that with every test I found again and again proof to the claim that these writings were indeed from God. I remembered how when I looked for what God wanted out of all of this, what he was actually desiring, and it wasn't something, it was someone, and what God wanted, he wanted me. Out of all of this, God seems to be desiring to awaken a knowledge of his reality in each one of us. He wants to restore a broken relationship. He wants to be our God and for us to understand that we are his children. And it's like he's been waiting for years and decades and centuries and millennia for each one of us to open up these dusty pages, to see him, to find him, to know him, to be one with him. Well, it's time again to take a short break now, but when we come back, I'll continue with my night of a storm and a prayer. And coming up after the break is today's code word for a great mystery gift. So stick around. We'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment.
0: If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.
4: an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and I love that old cross where the dearest and best. Cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down for me for the dear Lamb of God left His glory My trophies at last I lay down And last time. time
0: This is the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM.
1: Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is Episode 11 of the Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode a storm and a prayer. And coming up shortly is the code word for today's mystery gift. I left you before the break with that scene of me sitting on my couch in my lounge room, staring out the window during that thunderstorm. With Lightning crossing the dark canvas of the sky. The electricity had gone out, and I was there, by myself, with my thoughts, and with Alexander Scorby reading the Gospel of John in the background.
3: And he anointed the eyes of the blind
1: man with the clay. And he said to him, And as I sat there, reflecting on my journey over the past twelve months, I was confronted with the idea that all of this, all of these facts, all of this information, all of this insight I had come across was all pointing to the very real prospect that God not only existed, but he wanted me to know that he existed. And I recalled how my view of the world was changing right before my eyes and how I looked at everything differently, how I looked at even the trees differently, they weren't just a thing there in the garden or a thing out there in the bush, they were something with purpose, something with design, as to was the tiny sparrow, it had a little itty bitty bird brain, it had a little heart, but it had wings and everything was fine tuned for flight. The wingspan was right, the weight was right, the leg length was right. It had purpose and it had design. Even in the design of flowers I used to walk by without even a second thought began to appear to have intelligent design written all over them. The pattern and the arrangement of the petals, to the complexity of the pistol. I started to see an improbability to a random evolution of things and of stuff forming such intricate detail. I was beginning to feel like someone who had had their eyes opened and now it was impossible to unsee what I had now seen. I saw purpose everywhere, in everything. Nothing seemed to be by chance anymore. Which reminded me of my purpose and how I discovered my purpose based on God's own instructions to us was that I existed to reflect his character. All of those attributes and characteristics contained inside my, my circle diagram. That was what I was created for. That's what you were created for. You were created for reflecting God. In in the same way that the ocean reflects the glory of the sky above it. So too are we designed to reflect the glory of the creator. But just like on that night. Just over a year earlier. Where I stood almost feeling naked and bare before an unseen heavenly court before a supernatural being or a divine judge I was overwhelmed with my sense of guilt I not only had experienced every one of those attributes and characteristics which were opposite to God but I sensed that at my very core in my inner being who I was I was the definition of selfishness the very opposite to the definition of God. And I, I felt ashamed. I felt hopeless. I felt like I wanted to crawl under a rock and hide myself from the eyes of this all-seeing, all-knowing God. I felt lost sitting there in the dark, staring out at the window, alone. I felt lost. I felt hopeless. And right there, right then, my skeptical mind was satisfied. My analytical mind was made up. My reservations were silenced. And right there, in that lounge room, in a house in Brisbane, I called out to him, God, save me. Take control of my life. I've messed up and I'm nothing like you. Nothing like what I want to be. Please, fix me.
3: And then it I do not pray for the disciples alone, but I pray also for Robbie, who will believe in me through their word. I pray that Robbie may be one with us, Father, as you are in me, and I am in you. I pray that Robbie also may be one in us, and I pray that Robbie may believe that you sent me, and that the glory which you gave me, I have given Robbie, and that Robbie may be one just as we are one. I and Robbie and you in me and that Robbie may be made perfect in one, and that Robbie may know that you have sent me and that you have loved Robbie as you have loved me. Father, I desire that Robbie also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that Robbie may behold my glory which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and Robbie has known that you sent me. And I have declared to Robbie your name, and I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in Robbie, and that I will be in Robbie.
1: There in my lounge room, in the middle of a storm, right there playing on my Discman, I heard Jesus. And as you're hearing me right now, I heard Jesus, and he was praying. He was praying for me. He was talking to his Father in heaven, right there on my diskman. He was praying for me. He told the Father that he desired me to be with him. He told his Father that he prayed that I would believe in him because of the words of his disciples. I couldn't believe it. I got up and I, I ran to my room where my Bible was and I got my torch and I was frantically flipping through the pages trying to locate this passage that I was just listening to. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see my name in the Bible and and there it was, the passage of John, chapter 17. The title of the chapter is Jesus's Prayer. And as I read the verses, Jesus was praying for his followers and then he turns to praise for those who would believe in him through his disciples words and there i was jesus was praying for me but my name wasn't spelled out there in that passage but my name was there and then it was that the gravity and the reality of it all finally hit me after more than a year of being on this quest of discovery on a night more than two thousand years before i was born Before I had lived my 23 years of life, before I had ever made a decision, before I had ever made a mistake, before a single thought, he was there. He was there in a garden on a hill among olive trees, bleeding great drops of blood from his forehead. He was there with the weight of the guilt of the world upon his shoulders. He was there looking down through the portals of time and space, and he saw me. Me, Robbie Bergen from Brisbane, Australia. He saw me and he knew my mistakes. He knew my pain. He knew my sorrow. He knew my suffering. He knew everything. And he knew my questions. He knew my doubts. And he... He prayed for me. He prayed that I would be one with him and with his Father. He prayed that I would believe that he was sent by the Father. He prayed that I would be perfect. He desired that I would be with him and that I would see his glory, which he had before the foundation of the world. Jesus saw me and Jesus prayed for me. Jesus wants me. Jesus died for me. You know, I tried playing the CD back over and over again, trying to hear it. Again, I wanted to hear my name. But it wasn't there. The CD followed the passages of the scriptures as they were written word for word. And the pages of the Bible didn't contain my name either. But with new eyes, I saw this prayer for what it was. It was Jesus praying for me. It was my evidence that this book was in fact a living, supernatural book. The living Word of God. Not given just for sources of facts and for proofs. This book was there waiting all along to be opened with the eyes of faith to restore a broken relationship with Him. With God. And that night in the midst of a storm I became a believer I became a follower of Jesus I became a Christian I don't know where you are today in your faith experiment but I want you to understand that this book these 66 books are living and breathing words from a supernatural source, from God himself. And he wants us to know, he wants you to know that he sent his son to die for you. And he prayed for you. I mentioned at the top of the show that I had a a great gift for you today. I want you to take out your phone. I want you to text this word to 04888. I want you to text this word. I want you to text the word prayer. Text the word prayer to zero four triple eight four five three double one, And you're going to get a reply. And in that reply, you're going to get Jesus's prayer for you. So text the word prayer to zero four triple eight four five three double one. Now, if you've got questions about God and what he's done for you and how to give your life to him and you want to talk to somebody, you can text me on the same number, 0488 and I will put you in touch with someone in your local area that will be able to help you in your journey of experimenting with faith. So text me on 0488 Or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au and I will do my absolute best to connect you with somebody who's local to you who can help support you in your experiment with faith. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then.
0: You have been listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 0488 45311. That's 0488 45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.